We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. The independence case is a powerful one. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Alex Sandiford, Parish Councillor for Forsbrook, Chair of the Stafford and Stone Liberal Democrats, and Stone's Lib Dem Parliamentary Candidate. Welcome to the podcast, Alec. Good afternoon, Will. You okay? Yes, I'm great. I, I hope you're well, and it's great to have you um, on the podcast. We've obviously spoken before on, on, on Centre's uh, podcast. It's great to have you on uh, Debated. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here, Will. Thank you. Yes, yes, it's great to have you on. Um, so the first question I'd like to ask is about um, Partygate. Now, obviously, we have had, um, s- since we last spoke, some more developments with that, with the vote of no confidence in um, Boris Johnson that he managed uh, to survive, though it was a significant rebellion against him and, and, and seems to have damaged um, his reputation in the Parliamentary Party. So a lot of people have, of course, um, talked about how long Boris Johnson will survive as prime minister and leader of the Conservative Party. How long do you think he will be able to survive as prime minister and leader of the Conservatives after this uh, vote of confidence uh, because of Partygate? Well, to to be honest, the prime minister should have gone um, Mm. months ago. And in fact, he should have gone after the no confidence vote. Boris Johnson talked about the vote being a decisive victory in his leadership. Well, in fact, it wasn't. If you looked at the the numbers, unprecedented numbers voted against him. And if you look at the other ones that did vote in favour of Boris Johnson, most of them were paid brought by him anyway so um through you know private secretaries junior ministers what what have you so it wasn't a decisive victory he's in breach of the of the of the rules he set himself which everyone well 99.9 percent of the population adhered to and he's just took the country for a ride there's two by-elections coming up next week in wakefield and tiverton in, you know, it looks like Labour's going to take Wakefield and the Lib Dems are going to take Tiverton. And really, you know, next week should be the nail in the coffin for Boris Johnson. If I was a Conservative MP looking, if I was a Red Wall Conservative MP looking at what's going on, um, looking at, I know we're coming on to it, the cost of living crisis, um, the complete attitude that the government's got towards it they're completely out of touch you know conservative mps if they value their own careers let alone what they're actually there to do is put constituents first and they should actually have got rid of him weeks and months ago you know he's yesterday he he should have been at the red wall conference he he cancelled at the last minute to do a photo opportunity in in ukraine he's just a prime minister in hiding and absolute, in my opinion, absolutely deluded in thinking that he's got the confidence of Parliament, the confidence of his own party, and let alone the confidence of the British people. Um, you know, he just needs to go. And I, I look at, I look at people like Bill Cash, who's the um, current Tory MP for Stone, and it's just shambolic the way 
the these MPs spinelessly support a shamed prime minister the way they do. And if you put a, put aside Partygate, the man's just incompetent. Just generally, you, you know, mm. he, he's the worst prime minister this country has he- ever had. On on the subject of um, delusions about uh, potential delusions about confidence. Uh, that the Prime Minister might have. There have been rumours floating around that um, he might attempt to go for a snap general election on the 27th of October. If that were the case, I I mean, what do you think would be the result of uh, such a general election called for that? Well, you know, no one can be sure on any result until, Mm. you, you know, polling day and... And and such, but you know the data, not and polling is indicating not just from opposition parties, but you got you know polling um, groups and other political analysts all saying that it'll be you know a, a hung parliament, massive gains for Labour and gains for Lib Dems too. So Boris Johnson thinks that he's never lost; he's a winner. Well. You know, I think Keir Starmer had it right. The force isn't with him anymore. You know, people realise, people, it might take people a while, but they soon come to the senses and realise what people are about. And the man's a liar. And unfortunately, coming in, you know, we've all heard the rumours of a general election. Um, and my word, my, my sentiment is, well, bring it on. Because... He's a prime minister who's got nothing left. The Conservative Party have got nothing left in in terms of policy. All they do is U-turn, duck and dive and steal policies and proposals from the Lib Dems and Labour. And what I do fear, though, Will, is that Mm. just like with the referendum and the 2019 general election, um, that with a populist prime minister that we have just like Trump did in America. He's, he's re-engaging and, and starting the old arguments over Brexit. So he would rather, he would rather there be troubles in Nor- Northern Ireland and breach the Good Friday Agreement, potentially, to please his baseline hardcore Brexit vote. Likewise, mm-hmm. if you look at the immigration, and I were coming on to it, to Rwanda, um, he's him and Pretty Patel are going really right wing and draconian on the policies um, to again please the hardcore far right vote in the country. And most voters, most traditional conservative voters, are actually appalled by that. They actually find the the policy quite disgusting and quite worrying because when you have a government that's willing to freely change laws to suit their own agenda, no one's safe, are they? You know, and that might sound quite extreme, Mm. but, you know, today it's refugees, tomorrow it could be you and I, Mm. you know, and that, that, that's what worries me going to the next general election is that they will do, they will, do whatever it takes at, at this country's detriment to hold on to power. And that's why the Conservative Party should have got rid of Boris Johnson months ago. He should never have even been an elected leader to the Conservative Party, mm-hmm. let alone 
run the country. And I, I just say, bring, bring it on for the next general election because they've run out of, run out of road, political cycles change. And I think voters have waking up to them. Mm. Uh, you you touched upon um, Rwanda there, and, and I'd just like to um, come on to it because, of course, the um, first flight that was meant to be um, scheduled for um, Tuesday was cancelled because of um, inter- interventions that, that that meant that people uh, who, who who were who were meant um, to be uh, de- de- deported, the refugees under the particular scheme. Uh, weren't and and part of that was to do with intervention by the um european uh, human rights court and of course that has, has, has provoked a great deal of anger um from some of the particularly the right of the conservative party saying that we should leave the european uh, court of human rights now i mean i mean what's your feeling about that do, do you think that this is going to be another issue that's going to take up uh, a great deal of um time an energy that there's, there's going to be a, a, a serious debate about Britain's um, membership in the European Court of, of Human Rights and the Council of Europe, or do you think that this is merely um, a, a, a Conservative Party that, as, as you say, has has run out of ideas and is simply trying to find something to engage the public with to try and find another Brexit, if you will? Yeah, well, you you know, I've. Um that newspapers and I've spoke to the radio and even yourself now I've made my point clear on the scheme it's absolutely disgusting and shambolic and the soon the sooner Priti Patel and Boris Johnson stop with this well essentially dead cat of a policy to to drive everyone's attention away from Partygate and away from a, a battling prime minister that's doing whatever it takes, making mistake after mistake to protect his own um, skin, essentially, because that's what the man does. Um, coming to the policy, it, it, it's absolutely shambolic how... I mean, even today, the, there's news that Boris Johnson's uh, okayed a proposal by Priti Patel to start electronically tagging immigrant uh, refugees that arrive on boat um, dinghies and back of lorries. Mm. I mean, you know, criminalising people that are escaping persecution. Mm. You know, you couldn't get any worse and lower than that. And Boris Johnson, for all his for all his bluster in Ukraine about being a global Britain, protecting the most vulnerable around the world. Mo- you know, most people look at what they're doing to um, refugees and in particular with this nonsensical, very expensive um, media stunt, essentially, is is just shambolic. You don't treat human people like that. And I, I actually com- am glad that the European Court of Human Rights intervened um, as a founding a founding member of the, the European Court of Human Rights. I, I, I can't see how any anyone can disagree with the decision. It was completely right and proper thing to do. And I just look at how much money the government's wasting on this. And I, I, it's just completely nonsensical to me. Just completely nonsensical. And, and, and when you uh, pointed on that, some right to the Conservative Party are 
um, now questioning our, our place within the the um, European human rights. It it was Churchill himself that that implemented and, and proposed many of the the institutions that that the Conservatives now want to just completely pull out of. Mm. Um, if you look at the European Union, if you look at the European courts now, it was all Winston Churchill's, well, dream really of, uh, of a prosperous, peaceful continent of Europe. And it just astounds me how, how some of these people are actually getting away with this stuff. And, and again, like I said, when I, I said it might sound extreme about using... Today it's refugees. Tomorrow, tomorrow it could be you and I. Well, it should alarm anyone when a government's willing to completely scrap the Human Rights Act. That that protects everyone, mm. you know. And it shouldn't be, you know. It's not just refugees. It's everyone from every freedoms that we enjoy. And people really need to take note of how dangerous this government is. And unfortunately. Like I said before about the general election, they're using innocent people, escaping persecution, war, famine, and, and endless other reasons, using them to, to, to stoke up hate ready for the next general election to again protect an absolute disgrace prime minister. And it's, and it's completely not on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um- do you think? I mean, I mean, you, you touched upon it um, a, a bit earlier. Do you think that eventually that there is going to be some um, realization in regards to both the Rwanda policy and um, the UK government's current position on the Northern Ireland Protocol that there are perhaps um, some costs to Brexit that perhaps some voters and, and, and some people who supported it didn't factor in when they initially um, voted in, in favour of leaving the European Union. Do you, th- do you think that that is going to um, make some people potentially reconsider um, Britain being outside the European Union and perhaps sway people more towards Britain potentially rejoining or, or at least becoming closer to the European Union again? Yeah, well, you know, you know if you look back at the... Brexit referendum and the years after it was it was stated daily throughout the main uh, the media and remain broadcasters MPs that you know look at Northern Ireland look at the Good Friday ag- agreement but the writing was on the wall with Northern Ireland with the Good Friday agreements that's why when Theresa May brought her deal forward there was uproar over the backstop. Well, I think it's quite ironic because I think most Conservative MPs will quietly be wishing and the ones past that are no longer in Parliament are wishing that they actually voted for that deal. Um, Boris Johnson took that deal, made it worse than Theresa May's deal, brought it back, rushed it through Parliament. No one was allowed to scrutinise and uh, scrutinise the bill, no one was allowed to, um, the House of the Lords weren't allowed to look at the, the deal. It was just rush, 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 rush. And Boris Johnson said that there, w- there would never be a border down the Irish Sea. If you look at Northern Ireland's economy, other than London, it's the best performing 
region in the UK. That's because it's part of the single market, essentially still having the benefits of the European Union status. There's no coincidence in that. You don't walk away from your biggest trade partners Mm. and not take any economic hit. It's... And all, all of this was said from day one. Unfortunately, it was, it was twisted as Project Fear, and and my biggest regret to the to the Brexit re- referendum was that too many political parties had too many Romani London politicians activists running the show. And it didn't represent the true reflection of the UK. And I think now that, and I said it even in 2019, that it's not about telling people they're silly or they're wrong or they're stupid or they're xenophobic. Mm -hmm. It's not about that at all. It's giving people the chance. And I know it might sound really mad and unpopular, I said it three years ago, and I, and I still stand by it today, that people should have been given the opportunity to look at the vote then and look at things now. And as you say, reconsider now that reality is kind of hitting. And Northern Ireland, unfortunately, has been used as a political football by the Conservatives and the DUP and, and other political parties in Northern Ireland um, to the detriment of, of citizens. And I just really wish that I'm trying to do it along with others, that a new, a new breed of, a new generation of politicians and activists and campaigners are now coming through. They've actually got the emotional intelligence and the empathy to realise that you're essentially playing with people's lives mm. and you're there to look after people. Mm. And I think people forget that, that when you go into either as being a councillor or an MP or, or police crime commissioner, whatever it is, in any high, low office, you're there to serve the people. They're not mm. there to serve you. And things are wrong. And I, 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 I just like with Partygate, Boris Johnson lied over this Brexit deal. The problems were always going to come. And yet again, just like, just like with anything that he faces, he would rather change the rule, change the laws, or start a trade war, or retract on a promise or goodwill, just to... to this kind of like bluster approach where he always has to be on the attack and he never admits when he's wrong. He never says, or the conservatives never say we we've got it a little bit wrong, you know, like a little bit of honesty now and again. And that's why, that's why this comes as no surprise, but I do worry for, for the union of the United Kingdom, you know, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and these are all problems that, we're there anyway, but we're accelerated by Brexit. And unfortunately, we've had a government under two prime ministers, although Theresa May tried her best to, to go down the middle road, um, that have exasperated the issues over a united Ireland and an independent Scotland over a deal that was peddled by ideology and 
some lies. I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, there was 50, 60 versions of Brexit leaving the European Union. Really, they should have, should have been more specific at what leaving meant. And no one should have, should have been given any media airtime over hard no deal Brexit. Uh, Brexit, sorry. Yeah. The likes of Bill Cash and Reese Mogg and Michael Gove, they're all, multi, you know, they're all multimillionaires. They, they could mm. take the financial hit of a no deal Brexit, all their Conservative Party donors. I mean, you know, it's starting to come more apparent that if you look at um, COVID and lockdown and P- dodgy PPE contracts, and you look at um, tax havens through Brexit, there's a pattern forming here of mm. who the government sides with. And it's never the citizens. It's never the poorest, most vulnerable in society. It's always, it's always the super wealthy and they, they will always protect their interests. And, and I don't see it as unreasonable that after X amount of years, that something can go back and revisit. And I don't mean necessarily calling another referendum. I think that would be quite divisive and toxic currently. But I think that people should be given the opportunity to at least discuss the single market and the customs union. And for that, for for people who back Brexit to take them off the table were, well, (laughs) highly irresponsible to say the least mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um i'd just like to turn now um, to the cost of living because of course we've we've touched upon it um a little bit but it's something that is um dominating the headlines at the moment and is obviously affecting a, a, a lot of people um right now now the government um have um said that they're doing as much as they can and saying that they have you know sort of um uh provided and will be providing economic support um, that goes um, beyond what perhaps had previously provided, all, all, all this sort of thing. But in terms of how they have been handling the cost of living crisis, how do you think that they have been handling it? And what more do you think could they potentially be doing to um, helping ordinary people with rising prices of everyday essential items? Well, to be honest, they've handled the cost of living crisis quite badly, really. Mm. And it was originally the Lib Dems back in last October, actually, when Ed Davey stood in Parliament and called for um, a Robin Hood tax, windfall tax on the big energy companies. Labour come on to the idea in the new year, and it's just been a fight of tug of war until the government, well, essentially, U turned. If that help was given months ago, people would be more financially stable now. They mm. could do a lot more with um, U-turn on the um, on the universal credit uplift. Mm. They could um, completely reverse that decision. They could they could actually increase benefits in line of inflation. They could increase wages to the inline inflation. If you look at the unions now, if that, that's rumbling on in a, in a separate news story, but equally linked. Um, they can cut BAT, they can cut ta- national insurance tax. You know, I've listed seven or eight things there, Will, mm. that the government could do yeah. in, you know, a minute. And Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson are saying that 
they can't help everyone. Well, people were helped with financial support during COVID. Um, I just feel that they are not doing enough. Prices are going to rise again on the energy firms. And like I just said, with all the tax cuts, but now we have a problem with inflation rates mm, yeah. where, you know, we're looking at we're face, facing a recession. So we're in an almighty pickle, really. And when you've got a, a prime minister that that's cutting free school meal funding, mm. um, you know, there's three million hungry children in this country already with no help even before the cost of living crisis. I went to a local food bank um, a couple of weeks ago where usage has trebled in a month. And, you know, people are desperate. Yeah. And, you know, they, they could even send, they could even send vouchers in the post, food vouchers where people can get fruit and vegetables. It's done for people that claim certain benefits that are mm. pregnant, for example. There's yeah. a lot of little things that they can do. They can, um, you know, at the moment with full fuel prices, the government's making 50% of every penny that's put into someone's um, car. Mm. So why can't that money, as the argument was for the energy companies with um, unexpected windfall profits, why can't that be money, be ring, ring, ring fenced and then used um, and spread out across society? Mm. It just seems that that they're just unwilling to 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 deal with it and 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 tackle it, or they simply don't care. I'm 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 kind of toying with the latter at the moment. Mm. Yeah, um, it, I, I mean the suggestion that Simon Clark was 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 making, which I, I don't think many people would uh, necessarily appreciate, is that people shouldn't be asking for um, increases in their wages because he argued that that would mean that it would. Um, continue the crisis because it would mean prices would um, go up higher and, and, and lengthen it, and that should, people should take a, a wage cut. I mean, I mean, what do you think of that as a, as a piece of advice? It certainly seemed to me a bit um, tin-eared, given how people are, as you say, really suffering and, and having to use um, food banks and other types of support much more than um, previously. Well, to be honest, I think Simon should just outrightly apologise and, and retract the comments. It shows. It shows a government minister and the Conservative government and the party that are completely out of touch and odds with the with the vast majority of the British public. Um, you look this week how all the supermarkets are now saying that the majority of customers are now changing their their buying habits. Um, and for someone to say, "Don't ask or expect a pay rise." when food prices are 15% higher than what they were a month ago, just shows absolutely astounding ignorance to me. And bear in mind, MPs just accepted a pay rise a few months ago. And yeah, I, I, I honestly just think them comments just sum up the Conservative Party brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming towards uh, the end of the podcast, Alec, and there's always it has been um, wonderful to have you on and, and, and wonderful to chat to you but I have one final question for you now um, recently we've been experiencing a bit of a heat wave in the UK and, and, and in Europe and, and people have obviously um, both been enjoying it but also um, concerned about um, what potential effects that it could have on the health of, of young people and the elderly but it, it, it's it's a great time at the moment to um, go out and 
get an ice cream. And, and quite often that's a, a great um, publicity shot for politicians going out and getting an ice cream. So my final question to you is this. If you had to go out and get an ice cream with any politician um, that you could name, who would you like to go and get an ice cream with? And what ice cream do you think they would pick? Um, I would probably go for um, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, because I don't really see him ever uh, eating an ice cream before in his life. And I think he needs to experience that because life's too short. And my choice would be a sour sherbet. <laughs> Just to see, just to see his facial expression when they, uh, when the fizz um, fully kicks in. <laughs> well, I think that that's a, I think that's a, um, an excellent um, choice, Alan. And I think that um, Jacob Rees-Mogg would would certainly, as you say, um, have a have a bit of a shock if he <laughs> if he if he had that. Um, thank you, you. You could always invite him up here, Will, and yes. uh, I can show him a couple of ice cream vans parked outside some badly potholed roads and then we can discuss <laughs> leveling up in North <laughs> absolutely you could discuss that over um, the ice cream over the sh- uh, um, lemon uh, thank you once again for coming on the podcast Alec um, if people want to find out more about you where should they go to find out more about you so it's twitter at, at Sandyford 87 or you can get me on facebook alexandiford for stone excellent thank you once again for coming on the podcast Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.